By rattling snake and bullfrogs croak, the singing robin and jackalope. By howling coyote and gator's snout, to the crossroads we dance about. Welcome to Southern Bramble, a podcast of crooked ways. Welcome back to Southern Bramble, a podcast of Crooked Ways. I am Marshall, the Witch of Southern Light. And I'm Austin, Bane X Bramble. Marshall, what are you drinking? (laughs) I am having uh, some Chardonnay. Ooh, that's perfect. I like that Moira Rose voice. I'm having a fruit wine. Ah, a fruit wine. Oh, yes. Uh, one does enjoy a fruit wine. I enjoy a good fruit if I ever had one. <laughs> and so in case you hadn't noticed, uh, this is a bonus episode of Southern Bramble where Austin and I do a tipsy movie review. And do we have a movie for you today? We have Gretel and Hansel. Uh, this is one of my favorite movies. It came out last year. I have seen it probably six or 13 times. It is an absolute favorite of mine. Um, I remember seeing it in theaters. I bugged a coworker to come see it with me. And all I can say for now is that I literally stood up in the middle of the movie because like I had gotten so thrilled between the parallels. So I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, no, I completely agree. Uh, it's such a mood. I mean, this movie in itself, the music, the imagery, the timelessness. I actually watched the making of this movie, a, a little review online, where they talked about the fact that when they made this movie, they made it completely timeless. You have no idea what time period it's happening because it's not really important to the story. It's more so about what's happening to Gretel and Hansel. And that really kind of changes the the isolation factor. You don't know what time it is. There are almost no other people in this movie. It 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 really creates this type of mood where you feel like you are with these children. You feel like you're with them in the woods. Absolutely. And before we dive into it, spoiler alert. <gasps> Super spoiler alert. Yeah, and also you might hear some of us slurring. I'm a half a bottle and a half in, so one bottle in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've, I went to brunch today. It was my friend's birthday. Happy birthday, Caesar. Uh, they turned uh, 28 years old, and um, we had a lovely brunch with lots of wine. It was a wine bar. And we thought, what a perfect opportunity to do a tipsy movie review. Yes, and I've been arguing with transphobes on Facebook all day. So it's Ooh, been so fun. We're, so we're feeling spicy already. This is fantastic. Exactly. Um, cheers. No, cheers. Cheers to you. Pour yourself a drink. Throw on your headphones. And join us. Um, so I kind of want to start off the bat by saying that, again, spoilers, if you haven't watched this, if you don't want to know what's going to happen, we are going to break down some of the movie. We're going to break down, oh, you have a visitor? Uh, sorry, yeah, I do. That's my neighbor's dog. 
I was like, I don't remember you talking about having a dog. I don't. <laughs> I have Kisten behind me, chilling on the chilling on the guest bed in the craft room. All your babies. Yes. So uh, they do change this story right off the bat, which I actually really appreciate because it changes uh, the way that it kind of comes across. So first off, these are not uh children that are of similar ages it's actually like age 16 for gretel and age eight for hansel so gretel is actually if you noticed first in the title she is the main character of the story it's not hansel and gretel it's gretel and hansel and i really like the way they portray everything from a 16 year old girl's perspective Yes, I really like that. I like that they included Gretel's name first. And I find that very telling already Mm -hmm. how the story is going to go. Yes, yes. Because it it really starts out with the fact that you understand whatever time period they are in, Gretel is a girl who is coming of age, who is officially becoming a burden on her mother. Her father is dead. The young son can't bring anything because he's too young to actually do anything, though he, of course, wants to be like an axe woodsman and cut down wood and and, and be some sort of warrior, but he's fucking eight, you know? Like all young boys. (laughs) Like all young boys, yes. And and of course, you know, Gretel goes and interviews at this this really rich man's house and right away, super pervy, super gross. She does, you know, the the brave bad bitch thing and fucks him off. Look, fucks off. Tell him to fuck off. Oh my gosh. Tells him to fuck <laughs> off. Yeah, and I've if- been in her situation several times. Yes. I think we all have, you know. We've all been young. <laughs> We've all been, you know. You know, let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, so, you know, she's on the way home. The mom's pissed. She didn't bring home any money. The mom can't take care of her. The young eight-year-old Hansel doesn't understand. What's wrong? He was perfectly perfectly reasonable. So the mom basically kicks them out, and she can't explain to her younger brother the full extent of what was going to be expected of her if she were to stay there. Right. He said he wanted her to, you know, take care of the house and then some. And then, yeah, it it was kind of gross. Uh, but it lets you know exactly what Gretel as a girl during this time period is up against. So they are kind of cast off and they find some place to stay briefly. And uh, after a brief kerfluffle with a rando, uh, someone comes along and gives them some food and lodging for the night and tells them if they go through the forest, there are some foresters who could use a few extra hands chopping down trees. And of course, you know, Gretel could work as a healer with her herbs because she already seems to have some sort of uh, uh, herbal knowledge, so to speak. That's the way in which the guy implies. And it was nice because it was a well-needed moment of reprieve. Obviously, these kids have not had it very easy so far. I will say the only, firstly, the only part of this entire movie that actually scared me, and it was just a little jump scare, was when Gretel's mom dropped an axe in front of her. Yes. How I was aggressive. like, I was like, oh my God, mom. Yes. Like this mother obviously had no true love i mean it's it was really sad this mom had no love for her children they were nothing but a burden and and she was basically written out of the story after the point 
very that. And then the only qualm that I actually had with this entire movie was um, the random axe, or not axeman, the, uh, the huntsman that got like randomly thrown in there. I actually didn't think that this scene was necessary. I feel like the mom could have just kicked them out and they could have traveled in the woods and that was the story. You know, right. that's, that was the opening. Right. So this random act of kindness from the huntsman is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Didn't do it, it for me. I don't like when people are nice, you know. Right. To be honest, <laughs> there, there really, there really is no reason for this other than to continue to lead on the story and possibly even just include something that happened in the original. Who knows? Is that what happened in the original? I don't remember that. I don't know. I don't know. You know what? The only, <laughs> the only Gretel and Hansel exposition is I have. Okay, hang on, real quick. There was this. What? Are you going to say Gretel and uh, Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters? No, 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 no. Okay. I actually, I hated that movie. I hated that movie. Um, <laughs> the only exposition that I ever have to the like true storytelling of Hed- Hed- uh, Gretel and Hansel was um, I had this. It was not mine. It was my sister's. <gasps> I have a sister. That's the first time I've ever mentioned that oh, um, my on my my social platform. She had this book of fairy tales and it was like the princess and the pea and Gretel and Hansel, but it was like Flintstones edition and Barney was Barney, <laughs> Barney, the blonde haired, like doofus neighbor. Yeah. He was the witch. And that is the only, like, I've never read Gretel or um, Grimm's fairy tales. So that's all I've got going for me. Well, um, that's cool. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. I, I didn't even know that existed, but you know what? I'm really glad that even the Flintstones got to have their folk tales. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, okay, so after this whole Huntsman like, mix-up where this guy is nice to them and, and tells them where to go, they go off into the woods, right? So they go off into the woods, and they're for a long time, and all of a sudden, you know, it gets to the point that, like, oh, my God, they're hungry. They ran out of bread because they were leaving trails that obviously they weren't going to really go back and pick up, and all the birds ate them anyways. Uh, they had no more food left. What they were going to eat, they end up eating these mushrooms that – red cap mushrooms yeah they're they're like straight up fly agarics in, yes in fly the movie agarics. right mm-hmm. yeah and they it's it's kind of i have to admit the first time i saw it i was a little uncomfortable in the theater watching these children eight-year-old having a psychedelic shroom experience and it was weird no i loved it so much because this was the first <laughs> no 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 this was the first part of the movie where i was like i mean it's 15 oh. minutes in it's 15 minutes in right and i'm like oh they're like full-blown bringing you to like animism like the oh. mushroom like gretel she sits down on her knees and she she i forget what she says she's like um you know, they keep saying that I should eat them, essentially, is what oh, happens. No. Yes, yes. She, you can tell right off of the bat that not only is this female-centric, like, it's it's not only pro-woman based, it is women are special, especially this woman. She has a connection to the forest, to the trees. You start noticing ways in which she is talking to them. And later on, even the witch mentions, like, women, you know, women, some women know these things. Like, it's, it's a very, it's a very, um, pointed conversation they're having about her connection to the forest she's in. So she eats these mushrooms. 
rooms. Right. And then they go through a full blown, I mean, it's very like wide angle lenses. Sorry, I love cinematography. So I'll probably mm-hmm. talk in depth about that, but like mm-hmm. very like fisheye lenses, everything's very distorted. You're getting yes. up close in front of their face, lots of weird angles. They're clearly tripping. Yes, yes. And then, so as this all sorts of wind, sort of kind of winds down, they they get to a point where they are coming across this house. And the thing is, is at first you're not quite sure if they're still tripping or if they're coming down from it and they've moved on. And uh, eventually when they get up to the house, they see inside the little peephole, all this food, all this gorgeous, I mean, they're fucking starving. And they have this cute little thing between the brother and sister where they're like, it's a joke because they call each other pig. The fact that they can't eat because they're always hungry. So I get and called they, pig all the time too. You, I get it. I don't want to get it. I do. I do. You nasty pig. <laughs> Anyways, oh my god. Like, and so they do this whole like thing to each other. Yeah. Do you remember that? Like, it was in all yeah. the commercials too. And it's fascinating because she helps her little brother get in, and all of a sudden, like, whoosh, someone picks up and takes him away, and and she's like banging at the window. She can't get in. She goes to sort of fire and the witch comes out with her brother. You don't know it's a witch just yet. Just some random woman that lives in this house that had all this fucking food. Old and Granny Demdike. Old, who is played by, I love her so much, um, Alice Krieg. Uh, she has been in so many movies before this. The first movie I ever saw her in was uh, Sleepwalkers by Stephen King. She played the mother and she was beautiful and young with her long hair. And of course, she was this sort of like psychic vampire that lived forever and had sex with her son. But that's another movie for <laughs> another episode. I didn't know that she was in other movies. I kind of thought this was her debut. No, she was in, uh, did you see the OA on Netflix? She was the adoptive mother. I um, didn't watch that. Uh, she was in, I mean, she's been in Star Trek. She was in Legendary with Tom Cruise, I believe in the 70s. Um, she's been in tons of shit. She was in Silent Hill. As Christabella, the oh. the the religious fanatic nut. Yeah. Uh, yes. So she well, she's tons of stuff. She's still young and gorgeous. Like skin is tight as a joke. Like I want to look like her when I'm old. Oh, she's genuinely. Had, she's had some. She's had a little work done. It's fine. That's fine. I'll pay for it. I think she even played the mother in the Netflix movie, the Prince, the Princess. No, no, the Christmas Prince. Yes, I watch all of those fucking Netflix Christmas movies. I love that for you. Can we yeah. talk about this house for a moment before oh, we move on further? Oh my God, the structure. Go on. Okay, so it's, you come up to it in the middle of the woods. I love, like I said, I'm going to talk about cinematography and like the actual aesthetics of the movie. I love this entire color palette. So once you get out of there first, um, like expositionary plot of the movie where everything's very gray and very blue and very rainy. You come, the woods are rich. They're very autumnal toned. Everything is like orange and black and yellow and very, very deep and rich and earthy. The house, you walk up to it and it is this black pyramid shaped structure. There's a lot of triangles in the movie. Triangles, triangles. Yes, all, all like hidden throughout. Um, you come up and it's this black triangle, just like dense trees all around it with these gorgeous ornate windows. It's supposed to look like a traditional, like German cottage, 
But like nobody owned a German cottage that looked like that. It is mm-hmm. gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful with these ornate, like stained glass, swirly style windows. It's almost like they were trying to create what would a gingerbread house look like if it wasn't actually made out of candy? Let's right. it's almost like the 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 windows as stained glass windows were their stained glass version of what icing might appear like to a child. Very that. For any of my art history nerds on here, the windows are very, like, Gaudi-esque in style. So oh, it, totally. Do you know who Gaudi is? Me? Yeah. Like, as in the Gaudi Cathedral in Barcelona? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, no, yeah, I've been there. Oh, oh, cool. Yeah, No, it was that. beautiful. Yeah, yeah, he basically did, I think, all of Barcelona. Like, he has several places all over Barcelona. Oh, all over. But the windows are very like swirly Art Nouveau, a gorgeous mm-hmm. yellow. I would live there. Right. So again, it also adds to the timelessness of what time period this is taking place in, which is kind of extra fascinating all on its own. Absolutely. So then what happens next? So um, I do think it's really important that uh, I missed one little thing in the beginning. It starts off with uh, a story. A, a narrator telling a story of the beautiful little child. And I, I can't believe actually... I forgot this part. I yes. stopped my. I almost stopped myself in the middle of what I was just saying about the house because I was like, "Shit, we completely forgot the to talk child. about the entire part of the movie." Mm-hmm. So it it does open with like, so here we have a a a fairy tale, a folklore tale, uh, Gretel and Hansel. But this whole movie opens up with a whole nother tale called the tale of the beautiful child in the pink cap, and it tells the story of this beautiful child in a pink cap who uh, was born with some sort of malediction that they took to this enchantress who lives on a hillside in this huge ah triangle. You don't see her face, you don't see her body. She's covered in in black with a huge black cap. And if you, you ever dressed wanna... up like her a no, couple times, if you want to look back at my page on my Instagram, I have a whole TikTok dressed up as this. And I also have a, a man in black woman that was camping dressed in this. It was my whole inspiration because I fucking love this movie. It's so good. So it tells the story who, who, who took away this child's maledictions, but unfortunately left something like a bit of magic in its place. And this magic turned on the parents, turned on the people around them. And I don't want to give everything away from this story, but it really goes into the fact that this mother like had to banish this child and send her back to the darkness. And unfortunately, this child drew other children into the darkness with her. And that was the explanation for missing children. I think it's very important to address one of the major themes besides um, feminism and the Mm -hmm. inherent magic of womanhood that comes up in this movie, I think. And it tells it right in the beginning it literally says, beware of gifts and those who give them. Yes. Because the opening of the story talks about the magical child and how while the woman takes away um, her, her disease, she gives a gift to the child. However, the gift ends up being very, very not good for everybody in this this little girl's life, right? And this is like, like what? It's like a three-minute long yeah, opening intro. to the story. Right. That's it. So it's very quick, but it's like, it doesn't go into anything. Is she fae? Mm-hmm. Is she a witch? She's just some random woman that lives we don't on, know a, much. on a mountain, you know? And, and so it's interesting. And then, of course, it goes into... Uh, uh, 
Gretel talking about the first time she ever heard the story of the pretty, pretty child and the pink cap. So as far as we know, this is just a story that has been told and it's a story that children know around this age and time period. And obviously uh, Gretel and Hansel know it. So now that you know that story, we'll move back on to the witch coming out of the house. And of course she tells Gretel, careful putting the fire out, dear. You don't want to start something you couldn't put out. And she says this in a way that is so symbolic of be careful what you're about to do. You wouldn't want to go too far that you couldn't undo or burn down the bridge or opportunity you could have had. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's very, I remember when they, when they put it in the, um, in the trailer, cause they put that, that was seriously, like a highlight. Seriously, go watch the trailer. Just on YouTube, seriously. I like how they made the oink oinks like music. Like yes. they were like, like they kept repeating it like sinisterly. Um, mm. But yeah, it's very, she comes out and, and she says that. And it's very telling already that you see this beautiful woman, this beautiful older woman um, who steps out of this strange and mysterious house. Gretel's trying to start a fire, but she doesn't because she can't get it started because she's not very good yet. No. Yeah, but well, that's just it. Immediately, the witch recognizes something within her. And that's actually where the story starts to diverge from its original source material. Um, the witch recognizes that Gretel has the same spark in her that she has. So she invites them into the house. She feeds them all this gorgeous food on the table. She, of course, at the same time was like just checking for louses as she pulls the hair out of Hansel's head and sniffs it really deeply mm. and then decides that they're clean. And she lets them go. And, and you know, we're not going to dissect this obviously second by second, but she decides to let them stay for a little while. She uh, offers them room and board the next morning. Uh, Hans or Gretel offers to uh, help assist around the home as a thank you. They don't plan on staying long, but the witch sees it as an opportunity. And mm -hmm. while she gives an ax to the, young boy, eight years old, to go out in the woods, she's just distracting him. She's just telling him to go fuck off somewhere with a dangerous, she, we with a dangerous very, weapon. Right, but also very encouragingly too, you know, the kid wants to be a part of yes. something. So I'm very, I'm very in defense of this, of this, um, of this old witch. Uh, and she's very it's, encouraging at first. It's not dismissive. It's literally everything has a point. Everything is thought out. The way in which she says, everything like all of her lines and verbiage are so cleanly placed i'm talking about in a way where when she tells her to go back to the cupboard and get something from the back she knows that when she gets there she's going to see the crack in the wood and see that there's a secret doorway and she's not going to go to it right away instead she's going to go to it later when everyone's asleep and so to make her almost a little bit more confused uh, uh, the witch actually gets out her herb book and she starts teaching Gretel all the ways of the herbs and the plants in the forest, all the way to the point that it almost starts getting a little bit weird. Yes, everything is very pointed. Mm -hmm. um, the book is gorgeous. And I like actually oh, what I would do for this book. I actually noted something down that I think is very telling. Now, I'm sure this was just an aesthetic part of the movie, but when you notice it, there's actually not a lot of words in the book. It's mostly pictures. 
And I think this is kind of important because when you think of historically speaking, right, there is this kind of discourse that I have with a lot of people that talks about how like cunning folk or even witches of the time were common folk and the literacy rate um, would be very low for them. When that's not inherently true, um, there would have been some form of literacy. Like they're not stupid people and neither is this witch. And I think the book is a good reflection of that. Again, I'm sure it was just an aesthetic choice because like who doesn't love a good picture spell book? Mm -hmm. But I like that it actually doesn't highlight a bunch of words because it's kind of telling of like how it looks is very important. And the words were all written in a diagonal direction, which I noticed as well. Did you notice they almost created shapes around the photos that were, or the pictures or depictions of herbs? Yes. And many of them were triangles and squares, which are just yes. two triangles put together. It, it, I mean, triangle for the uh, enchantress in the, in the folktale story, a triangle for the witch's house, triangle shapes of the writing. We are getting a very clear image here of what magic is within the geometric shapes they're creating. Right. And, uh, yeah, I noticed that. It's, it's really built into the story. And um, also uh, lots of the number three, which I think we'll, we'll talk about later. Oh, yes, definitely. Um. When did she, no, no, I was just wondering, Marshall, when did she bring out the stang? Okay, <laughs> just so, straight up. Yes, so here's, 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 here's the more interesting part. So next, as she's working into the herb book, you know, she gives her a sleeping draft because she couldn't sleep, and, and then she uh, doesn't take it. And instead, she makes the witch think she went to sleep, and she goes downstairs and... She, or sorry, she goes into that closet again that we spoke about before, that was sitting back in that closet. She goes down there, and... She sees and hears voices, voices of children. There's blood. And then she wakes up and it's all a dream. Or so she thinks. So she thinks. Yes. So then it cuts. Yes, this is the scene with the sting. And I love this because it's, it's so fascinating. It's it so deep into animism, which we're going to have a whole episode on. So hold your horses. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, I love this. It's so cool. So she's sitting down with Gretel, the witch, and, and, and Gretel at the table. And she, she gets out the herb book. And she's talking about the plants. She's talking about uh, her relationship with them. She's talking about her relationship with her surroundings, being a woman. It's, it's, it's very telling that I am noticing that you and I have a lot of, in common. And I am saying things to get you to... And trust me and hear that I am, am willing to mentor you. You see this type of relationship forming in a adult to young adult. Young adult. Sort of yeah. Young adult. She's 16. So she drips some, some herbs into this oil and she adds the oil to the salve and she's got the salve all over her hands and she lays a stang, which is a fork staff, if you don't know, on the ground. And she pushes the salve over to Gretel and says, take the salve, rub it on your hands. And she's like giving her these directions and she's, and she's saying, feel how it sings. She's 
She's recognizing, and she Girl, says, "She's literally giving her unjuntum." I'm probably mispronouncing that. You know, the life of an occultist is saying things and not ever having anyone to tell you that it's wrong. But she's giving her unjuntum sabbat, sabbati. Like she's giving her the sabbatical ointment. She's giving her the flying ointment to mm-hmm. anoint onto the star or onto the stang. Well. She, she's and she also says she'd be like, oh, to be your age and experience this for the first time again. Like she's hungering for this opportunity. Instead of eating this child, she's going to teach her. That's a whole new opportunity, and she's recognizing her her young self and her. So she's saying, feel how that sings. Do you hear the sound of the stang? Tell it to move. Let it obey you. And by thinking it, it stands straight up. I mean, and they. Ne- they never do call it a stang in no, no, the they film. Said, this is a staff or something like that. Th- yeah, something like that. But if you know what to, not even what to look for, it's very clearly a stang. It, it is a fork, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's a pitchfork looking thing. It has a weird angle to it, unlike that I've seen in most other stangs. But it is so cool. And this is the part that I stood up in the theater because when she starts talking to it, and um, I actually just made a post about this kind of recently about how tools I don't view just as tools in my practice. They are spirits as well. And they are, mm-hmm. excuse me, they're relationships to have. So when she starts speaking to this object and then it stands up by itself because she tells it to, it's like, ah. Uh, I, I just like I couldn't contain myself. My coworker mm-hmm. was like looking at me like, "What the fuck?" Oh <laughs> no! But it gets even but it gets even better because then she goes out into the woods and she's like, "I can feel and hear this tree sing all around me." And she puts her hands up to reach towards a tree, and the music like builds, and you see this forest and these trees slowly. I mean, it's actually really slow at first. You're not sure it's happening. Slowly reaching towards her, she's not in control of it. She's more so creating and, and relating to it. It wants to be one with her. You can feel that mood she's putting out. It's so magical and, and, and witchy. It's so fucking witchy. I love it. It's so good. So but, oh, but, go on. At, the, at the same time, there's some other issues going on with Hansel, who's you know getting lost in the woods somewhere. Yes. And so, yeah, of course, that's when she's like helping him uh, uh, grind the axe, grind the axe. And she's you, you see the start sinister turn within the witch or so that the movie is pushing. And she tells him to go into the shed to grab something sharp. And that's I mean, that's the last we see him for quite a while. Yeah. And and, you know, Gretel is like, where's my brother? Where's my fucking brother? Like, where is he? And that's when she goes to sleep that night, doesn't take the sleeping draft and goes down into the cellar again. And she finds her brother. And that's when she hears something and she hides in the corner with him. He's like hypnotized off, not looking at her or whatnot, right? And this is right on the right, right? Um, We're skipping a few parts, but I think at this point, like it's okay because... At, at this point, like, she's starting to, at this point, she's figure, starting to figure it out. We, we, yes. I think we forgot about, um, like, the bloody supper. Oh, no, no, I'm about to tell her. This is the oh, first okay, time she okay. goes down there. She finds him and she's hiding there. So the witch, so 
this liquid comes out of this drain and out of the liquid comes this young, beautiful witchy style woman covered in like witchy symbol tattoos and stuff. And she grabs a bucket and throws it on the table, not noticing the children in the corner and all these bloody body parts come out and you hear these mystical children cries in the background. And then she does it again with another arm and a foot from another, another tub. You see all these guts and these nasty things. It's so gross. Um, I love it. It's horror. Oh, you going to sneeze? You're going to sneeze, aren't you? I'm not going to sneeze. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was holding up my hand. I was like, in case we need to clip that out. <laughs> Anyways, so she throws it on there. She puts her hands up, sets them under her breath, and it magically changes to all the food that Gretel and Hansel have been eating for the weeks mm. they've been there so far. Mm. That's when they realize what they're type... in deep shit. They're in deep shit, yes. So at that point, they get in a f- he wakes up the next day not remembering. She wakes up and she's like, Did that actually happen? I'm not sure. And Yes, that's when the brother goes missing after that because they get in a fight because he wants to stay and she's like, we got to we got to haul ass out of here. And she yeah. like question, you know, she questions the witch about the food. Where are the horses? Where or where are the goats or cows? Where are you drawing milk from? And she's like, no worry about that, dear. And right, yeah, don't worry about right. that. Don't Just worry about it. Bit. Don't worry about it. And then she she goes out for the day. And mm-hmm. at some at some point, Gretel's lost or I'm sorry, Hansel's lost in the woods and and sees like the missing children's shoes and um, they're all going into this pit, which unbeknownst is the pit is where, you know, it leads into the basement of the house, which is where the witch is, is making all this magic food. Right. Well, so now that her brother has gone missing officially and he's, and the witch is like gone for the day, she decides to make a super slung, Super schlong. Sloop. So hold on. I love, a, I love a super schlong. Yeah, super schlong. A super strong sleeping draft. The same one that she taught Gretel to make earlier in the movie and give it to the witch. So the witch comes home. She eats a date. She offers it to, the, to Gretel across the table. Gretel now realizing, no, I'm not eating that. That's a child. That's a, that's a small bit of a, of a human. I'm not eating that. So she eats it and she pulls out a chunk of hair with a bow on it, which of course you see on the cover. It's fantastic. Mm. And, and that's when the witch is like finally right in front of, of Gretel. She's not holding back any information anymore, but she's so cunning. And so, and that of course, so is Gretel because they don't react either way. Like I'm showing you my cards and Gretel's like, okay, I see your cards. Now let me, now let me ask you mine. And then she gives her the sleeping draft. So she washes it down and she's just like, almost perfect and it has no effect on her at all (laughs) so she goes but makes me question why remember she's like why did you do it i kind of i i completely forgot that she um she gave her the sleeping draft and the witch took it because she knows she She knows right she she looks at it looks at gretel and drinks the whole it's like steaming and she chugs it It has no effect whatsoever And she goes, but uh, tell once I want to know why. And so it kind of like, okay, you've shown me your cards. I'm showing you mine. Let me tell you a story. And that's when she goes into 
the story of the child in the pink cap. And Gretel's like, I already know the story. And she's like, you only know one version of the story and it's the wrong version. I think before we get into that, it's very, very interesting how the sleeping draft doesn't work on her, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it kind of reminds me of how, especially in like certain children traditions, if you are a teacher and you have a mentor and you tell part of, if you tell a spell to somebody, the spell doesn't work anymore. Like if you tell it word for word, you can give examples as in like, you can teach the basis of spells, but once you put your own formula out there for somebody else to use, the magic is gone. Really? I, do you go by that? It depends. If I was working, if I understood it a little bit better, so I'm not part of um, any trolldom tradition. Can you, wait, wait, what is a trolldom tradition? I have not heard of this tradition. Trolldom, so it's um, Scandinavian folk magic. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it also is very interesting too, because it carries over into the Americas as well as in like certain Ozark traditions, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you uh, imagine, not, not a witch, but a healer, you know, they have a pitcher of water and that pitcher of water, every time that they have a mentor and they pour mm-hmm. it out, it's, I, I think this is from um, Ozark Healing Traditions. Um, they literally just messaged me right now. Um, <laughs> that, that was actually in New World Witchery by Corey. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And mm-hmm. I think they talked about it also in the podcast with Corey too, yes. that like every time you have a mentor and you teach a new part of your wisdom, a little bit of that water gets poured out. Yes. And while I, I don't necessarily see that framework in myself, I I can understand the value of it because if you think about it, even just in a in an analog- analytical context, like what is the point of being a mentor? It is to make sure that the people who are going forth from you are better than you. So if they have all of your knowledge and all of your one-ups, then they're going to be better than you, right? So I think this witch drinking the drop, it's like almost, but not quite. And Mm -hmm. she's kind of like, it's kind of just that like very tongue in cheek, like you almost got it correct, but it's not perfect. And Mm -hmm. it's not going to work on me. Right. It's it's a call out, but it's also a sign of, I recognize that you've done this and I respect that you've done this actually a little bit. Now let's talk about why. Um, But at at that point, you know, the witch starts to tell her, let me tell you the true story of the beautiful child in the pink cap. And most of it's the same up until you get to the point where the mother sends her off into the darkness again. And instead you find out that that it was the the child, right? Or the child is... It's the child's mother. Um, right, yeah. Uh, Alice Krieg's character is the mother herself, right? Yes. So the yeah. witch actually keeps telling the story that the, the beautiful child's mother was attracted to this darkness too until she succumbed to it. And she realized the only way that she could truly attain all of this greatness was to get rid of of all the things that poison her and hold her back. And for her, that was her children. 
Mm-hmm. And so it, 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 it tells the story where you, you can assume that she takes them to the house and then the chimney smoke turns red because she ate them. Uh-huh. And then from then on, she goes on to say, and from that, basically from then on, the witch could think of nothing else. She always craved the thing that was her weakness. And so it, it goes to show that she moves into the forest and takes on the guise of a sweet old woman, offering sustenance and shelter to children in need. And that's when you realize she's talking about herself. And that young woman that she saw down in the basement was actually her real body, her real face. It also goes to show you that eating other humans' flesh keeps you young, especially if you're a witch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm afraid that's the beauty regimen I'm not sure I'm ready to take on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so now um, she's told this story. And then I, I forget how we get from point A to point B, but so you'll, you'll be better at it. Mm-hmm. What well, happens I think, next? I think, I think she basically almost turns the sleeping draft on Gretel from herself. And basically Gretel wakes up downstairs, chained down to the massive table where, of course, it's empty now. It's a plate in front of her. And there is the young woman witch. And she is opening the curtain And behind the curtain is a big, like, cage up a ladder over a fire pit. And there's her brother, Hansel, in the corner, who she's been looking for for days. Yeah, it's like it's a a long fire pit that one could presume just uh, heats the whole house. Yes. Um, But Gretel's, or I'm sorry, Hansel's sitting on top of of the fire he's like above it like pretty you know, high he's so over not- in the corner and she like walks him over to the ladder to start crawling up the ladder oh right and he's hypnotized right now right he's yeah, very, yeah he's, he's in a trance he's bewitched and, and shit so <laughs> and and gretel's sitting like stop what are you doing no and and nothing's happening and and the witch isn't acknowledging her she's like be quiet and, and, and he's like entranced climbing up the ladder and that's when she sees the stang against the wall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she starts staring at it and she, she's like focusing on it. And I think she, does she say out loud, like move? Like, I, I don't remember, but I, I know she either. wills it. She wills it very firmly. Very firmly and it stands straight up. And she literally like. And that's when she realizes she's like, okay, I can actually get one up on her. Yes, I, I can, I can, I have, I, my hands may be bound, but I am not truly tied down. She has power bigger than her own in physical body. Like you see this mentality shift and she gets angry and she violently whips her head forward. So the stang flies across the room and nails the witch across her neck against the wall. And so she's hanging over the fire. And all of a sudden, you know, he's crawling halfway up. He's not burning. He's a little bit out of the flames, but her legs are, and her skirts are hanging in the flames. Right. And the flames lap up and, and cast the witch into uh, a blaze. And, and she's writhing in agony, as Morticia Adams said. Mm-hmm. And yeah. But she, but she doesn't die yet because that's when, when Gretel gets super aggressive and she's just like, fuck yeah, bitch. And she's like, mm, and she like, she like throws her head and neck and shoulders forward, like, mm, and the whole thing decapitates her as it gets deeper into the wall. 
Yes, yes, the sting, because um, it is a forked, essentially, like a like a pitchfork. Yeah. Um, and it, like, just basically takes her head off, and the witch is, is no more. Yes. And that's when, of course, you know, the spell breaks, the fire dies, and Shigo gets her brother, who's like, Grell, where have you been? <laughs> that's my version of Honestly, honestly, that... No, very that, very that. And honestly, yeah... Yeah, she should have let him go. Mm-hmm. Hot take. Hansel really was the thing that was holding her back. <laughs> no, but that actually is how it ends. And what's fascinating that I totally forgot to mention at the very beginning is when you meet the witch, you immediately see her Tumblr-esque black fingers. You know, we all see that witch yes. artwork with our black fingers. We see Austin on Bane and Bramble in all of his stories with not intentional... Um, it's because I work with hair color. And you don't um, wear fucking gloves. And I don't wear fucking gloves. I'm sorry, have you seen the price of gloves right now? <laughs> They're so expensive. Oh, and my my salon doesn't doesn't provide them for me. Oh, my, my salon provides gloves. <laughs> um they're so expensive but yes i'll send you gloves for christmas thank you um i'm sure that's what they're gonna get me for christmas um but yeah you see these hands and they're they're stained black they're very aesthetic Mm -hmm. Um, and of course as a witch she's the only one who has the who works with the herbs and her witchcraft and her magic she has this black hand these black fingers and you told me you were the one who told me in a little investigation i think it was you right who had said that the the idea for it was very like her hands are covered in soot and they're very stained in mm-hmm. in this sooty material and i well, think I mean, that was oh, the inspo for the makeup yes and and the witch who works with herbs like you have to understand when, when you're working against what i would say is the natural law the idea would be that you know it kind of stains you a little bit you're working with soot you're working with ash you're working with a lot of these these fireplace type things, at least in this time period. So it would stain the witch's fingers. But what's fascinating at the very end when she, you know, decides I have to send, you want me to stop right here or you have something to say? No, no, I was just going to say, it's almost like the the black fingers are, are, are very much so like the idea of a witch's mark. Yes, very much like the, the indicator of a witch work, of someone who works with magic. Yes. And yes. and so at the end of the movie, um, Gretel, like, basically tells her brother to go on, right? She's mm-hmm. like, I have to, you have to leave me. I'm going to stay at the house. So the witch is dead. Ding dong. Um, she sends Hansel off, which I don't know why they couldn't have just done this earlier. Um, I know, right? <laughs> and she goes into this, like, monologue situation. And I think that ending monologue is really beautiful. Oh, it was real. it really, I mean, I'm not gonna say it tied it up in a pretty bow, but it really summed up the experience of what you just experienced taking in this movie. Yeah, and I think it's really good because it highlights, there's a part in it that it highlights very important. She says something about becoming, essentially she's like, I'm becoming this person and I I have the choice as a woman to use my powers for either for good or for evil. I don't like those terms, but that's that's essentially the, the dualism that the movie holds. And she's like, Essentially, it kind of, like, concludes with the fact that I have the choice. Mm -hmm. 
And then, you know, Yola, she, she turns her hands around and then you slowly see like the black start dripping down her fingers. And she's now made her, not her pact. There's not a spirit that initiates her, but she initiated herself. Good for her. Mm-hmm. And, and you see the, the black stains on her fingers now. But the way that the music turns from this, like, yes, I've made this self-discovery, I've made this monologue, and it's happening, and then it starts to take a turn. Like, there's this, like, slight drop in the way that the sound background music is as the fingers start to turn black. And it leaves you with the whole kind of perception of, yes, it is her choice. Will she be good or will she use it for bad? And we've indicated that she's done this and now her fingers are turned black, but does that mean that she'll go bad? Does that mean she already is? Does that mean she's just a witch? We don't know. It leaves it up to the I mean, the she's already, she's already um, murdered someone. So, yeah. you know, I'm very, uh, I think that, that, that that's great. She, she had reason to, um, but, you know, if you're looking at a very objective standpoint of what is, quote, good and bad, like she's already committed a sin so i don't know maybe she is bad or maybe she's just very very good at being bad i don't know who knows if you can't be good be good at it Ah! right (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) yes so that is our first uh flipsy movie review ever (laughs) Uh, cheers cheers of gretel and hansel i hope you enjoyed it because I know I really enjoyed reliving that movie, telling it to all of you. Yes. Have you been drinking water? Um, I ran out of wine in my glass, but I have some oregano here. Oh, so. oh fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love oregano. It tastes great. It does. It really, it really tops off anything. So thanks for joining us for our first movie review. Um, I hope you can absolutely... Join us for the next handful that are coming out. I think me and Marshall have some sinfully delicious movie. <laughs> was that was that a cocoa puff or not a cocoa puff? Uh, what is that? The the spooky ones. Sinfully delicious. Yeah, yeah. The the Choco Transylvania things. Oh yeah, I forgot about those. Drac Count Count Chocula. Count Chocula. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was. I hope you enjoyed this sinfully delicious take. uh, And we have a couple more for you. Yes. So until next time, I'm Marshall, the witch of Southern light. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Marshall WSL on Twitter. And I'm Austin at Bain and Bramble, currently only on Instagram. But Marshall (laughs) sent me a very threatening text the other day that said I needed to make a Twitter or else he was going to curse me. Yes, I will. I will if you don't, so do it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bye, y'all. Bonsoir.